Ministry Mentorship, Episode 27. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young people for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. We have some very exciting things planned for this year. Uh, We've got some uh, interviews coming up that are going to be very, very powerful, and we also have some Bible study uh, plans for this year that I think you're going to enjoy. But before we get started with today's podcast, let me just say thank you to all of you that have listened to our podcasts and have helped us spread the word about ministry mentorship. We have listeners in Japan, Africa, India, and many other nations of the world beside the United States. And I've heard from dozens of people about how the interviews have been an encouragement and inspiration to them over the past few months. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider making a donation to help us keep our content available online? Any amount that you give will go towards spreading the apostolic message across the world. If you have a question or testimony, even a comment about ministry mentorship, you can send an email to me at jacobtapia, that's J-A-C-O-B-T-A-P-I-A, at ministrymentorship.com. It's always a joy to hear from our listeners. In this episode, we're going to be talking with James Merrick. Brother Merrick has a uh, passion for the things of God and is is a dedicated servant of the Lord. He's traveled all over the United States, and uh, he's now teaching uh, prophecy conferences. And he was my superintendent when I was growing up, and I, I think you're really going to be blessed as you listen to this interview. Let's join the conversation now. Uh, We're glad to have Brother James Merrick with us today. He has pastored in Duluth, Minnesota for 38 years. Uh, During those 38 years, he spent 30 years as the district superintendent, and he has a total of over 48 years in ministry. Uh, He was my superintendent when I was growing up, and Brother Merrick, it's just an honor to have you today. Thank you for joining us. Well, you're very welcome. We're anxious to help any way we can. Now, Brother Merrick, tell us a little bit of your story. Well, I don't know how much of my story would be interesting to other people, but I was raised in a broken home. My father deserted a family of seven when I was three years old. My mother was a very godly woman. She's the one who received the truth, water baptism in Jesus' name, and filled the Holy Ghost. But she knew God in a relationship before that ever came into our community. When truth came, she received it, and out of my entire family, six out of seven of us have lived for God. So I got an early start in the church. Uh, so I was about 11, 12 years old when Paul Lehman came to our city to start all missions work. And, of course, he put the Word of God in my heart. And also, at that time, Brother S.G. Norse was coming to Buckeye Lake Campgrounds, and I was very impressed with him. We spent a couple of three years there in youth camp. So that's how I got started. I first felt the call of God and the anointing of God at 16 years old, preaching and teaching, I should say, or just speaking in a youth meeting in a local church. But I didn't want that. I knew too much sacrifice. I watched my home mission pastor, Brother Paul Lehman, and his family. I decided that that wasn't for me. I didn't want the ministry. But five years later, God changed my mind. So that's how it got started. 
So you've pastored, you've preached, you've taught, you've traveled all over the United States, and your ministry has spanned for over 48 years. How do you build a long-term ministry like that? Well, the Bible says that unless God builds the house, a man labors in vain to build it. I don't believe any man builds his own ministry. I believe there's things he can do, mm -hmm. but I believe it takes an anointing of God, a call of God. Uh, I think a day-by-day -day walk with God, putting one's foot in front of the other, that's, that's about the best I can tell you, being faithful day-by-day. -day. I think dreams and visions are fine. But where the rubber meets the road is what about today? Absolutely. What characteristics do you look for? And through the years, you've seen many people come and go. What characteristics do you see in a successful young person? Well, I think they're concerned for other people other than themselves. Their love for people is a must. A young person, if they're going to enter the ministry, needs to be a giver, not a taker. A willingness to sacrifice. I believe they need to make sure they're called. I believe if they know they're called, one thing about it, if they know that God's put them in a place, then when, they, when things get tough, they can tell God he, that wasn't their, their decision. It's his decision. That's what I've always operated on all my life. And I think that would help any young person today. Absolutely. Uh, selfishness will destroy them. I also think a hunger for the Word of God is vital. If they're not interested in the book, not interested in the Word of God, uh, they're just interested in rerunning tapes and sermons from other preachers, it won't fly. It won't go. There has to be a hunger, and, and God has to talk to a person individually. A lot of good comes from tapes or CDs or however you get your information today but there's nothing like a face-to-face -face with God. I think loving the world is a destructive thing. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, when you say loving the world, uh, what, is that, what, are you, what are you talking about in that sense? I think the world has got to be defined. And I, the, when the Bible says love, not the world, there's a principle involved. And today there's a crumbling of what the world really is. And I think a person has got to make sure that their separation, their holiness, does not become a thing of the past. The further away a young person can get from the world without being fanatical, the better off they'll be. Hmm. I think uh, I, I've, in my own personal life, it's been a conviction, not only an instruction from the ministry, but a conviction in my life that God, that God's able to talk to a person about things that even some people can allow. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole world system out there that's trying its best to destroy the church, break down the separation. You know, I'm sure you've seen in your 48 years of ministry, you've seen people that have fallen by the way, that have um, let go of some of these things. Uh, do you think it's important to have people in your life, to have uh, pastors, to have people that, are around you that are very supportive. How do you, how do you feel like that helps us in our walk with God? I think a person needs friends. I hear a lot today about mentoring. I'm not opposed to that, but I also know that a person's personal dedication and their responsibility to God will keep them far longer than any association with another human being. Hmm. If 
a man does not learn to fear God, he'll lie to his brother. I think the fear of God, the love of God, God's presence in a person's life is vital. I don't think anything replaces that. Hmm. I, th- I think a young person that's going to enter the ministry or feel called of God, they need to make sure they're calling and make sure it's not just an ego trip. Ministry is not for a strong ego. It's got to be a God thing. A young person has got to know the difference in a real move of God, the presence of God, mm-hmm. worship that entertains the presence of God, and noise and demonstration that tries to force God to do things that God is not doing. And I see a change in those areas today, and it bothers me. Mm. I think a lot of noise and a lot of demonstration is trying to make God move. When in years gone by, the noise and the demonstration was not to make God move, but it was a response to the move of God. I think a young person needs to know the difference. I'll tell you why I say that. I've been in some church services where they talk about a great move of God. It was noise. It was demonstration. But as far as the presence of God is concerned, I, I, I don't know that it was there. Not like it used to be. And I know we're not supposed to live in the past. But if we forget our past, there is no future. Yeah. God never allowed Israel to forget her past. One thing that we have to be careful of, especially as young people, is we have a lot more talent in our movement. Uh, we have access to better quality of things, and and we can't forget that w- the things that started this was on a dirt floor. I mean, this this thing started when there was nothing and we didn't have anything. So I think that's a great point uh, that we need to make sure we have the Spirit of God and have his presence in our midst, uh, everything else is secondary. You know, Brother Toppy, as important as talent is, talent, nor education, nor administrative skills will bring a soul-winning revival. It takes the presence of God. Amen. You can have all those things in place and have a dead doll service. And I see other people, and I, I believe talent, we need to use the best talent we have. We need to, if a person's called, they need to educate themselves, prepare themselves. I believe a strong administration skill is important. But you can have all those things, and without God, there's nothing. With God, you can do with less of one ability or one talent and still have revival. Well, let's let's talk about uh, end-time prophecy. Now, you've been teaching this subject. You've been traveling all over ministering and talking about this. You've you've been at my dad's church, and he talked about what a great job you did. And I've heard other people talk about your teaching. And and talk to us a little bit about end-time prophecy. Why is this important for us to to study and to learn? You know, Brother Toppy, the subject is much too big to just, uh, to, you know, why is it important? I have in my hand a notebook that we have put together. And, for instance, on on the very beginning of the notebook, there's seven things the Apostle Paul has, has to say about prophecy. Uh, there's a section on the purpose of prophecy, six points. There's a section on the Apostle Paul presents seven things a knowledgeable uh, knowledge of prophecy would, would or should accomplish in one's life. And then there's reasons that Jesus gives. There's at least seven reasons that Jesus gives why we need to know prophecy. And uh, I think the main reason that I can sum it all up is that it's, it's a book that John wrote at the end of the century 
and it's a book that calls itself The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. No other New Testament book tells us something about God, something about Jesus that we did not know. Hmm. Had it not been for prophecy, had it not been for the book of prophecy, the book of Revelation, we would know the miracle and the mercies and the grace of God out of the Gospels. But we'd have known very little of his judgment, his wrath, his indignation. So I don't think it's the choice of whether we just want to study it or not. I believe to know the, the, the other side of deity, we're going to have to know prophecy. Just briefly, if you could, if you could talk to us about this, some, some of our listeners may not know much about prophecy or, or really have an understanding uh, about this. Where are we or where would you say that we are in biblical prophecy? Well, there again, it's a question that's very difficult to answer in just a few minutes. But we are between the times of the Gentiles, as Luke speaks of it, and the fullness of the Gentiles, as Paul talks to the Romans about. One is secular, one is spiritual. Jerusalem will be trodden down of the until they be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We're between the times and the fullness, which means. And from all I can see in Scripture, we're in the last generation of the church. Well, that's an exciting time to be in, too. And I, I'm, I'm, I feel uh, in the next five to ten years that there's going to be great growth, and I feel that there's going to be a need for young ministers that have a call of God to preach the gospel Talk to that young person right now that, that feels a call to ministry. What advice would you give them? My advice to a young person today when it comes to prophecy is to continue to focus on everything we focused on in the past. That's the plan of salvation and soul winning. The reason I say that is you, you, you can know everything there is to know about prophecy, but you don't get the message of salvation right. It gives you, gets you, no, it gives you nothing. So get the message of salvation right. Focus on that. But don't forget the importance of Bible prophecy for this end time. Jesus introduced the subject, just like he did other subjects, never intending to fill in the details. The epistles give some of the details, but the sequence and the most of the details are found in the book of Revelation. And that book needs to be familiar to everybody. Having said that, let me say this. There's no man that knows everything there is to know about prophecy. And for years, because we couldn't explain everything, we we kind of ignored the book. I think it's time to explain what we know about it and be honest enough to say we're not sure on this. Now, talk about your ministry in, in this uh, end-time prophecy. What is it that you have put together? And, and maybe familiarize our listeners with some of the things that you're offering as far as end-time prophecy goes. Well, we do have DVDs. We have CDs. We have a a workbook that goes along with both the DVDs and the CDs. I will tell you this, I firmly believe that the majority of our brethren in the past have believed in the pre-tribulation coming of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus was a pre-tribber. I believe he believed it. And I, I feel like the Scripture proves it. And when you go to the book of Revelation, the church is home on the throne before the first seal is ever broken. So in all the seminars we teach and then the CDs and DVDs. We try to ignore speculation. We try to stay away from tying current events to biblical prophecy and then being embarrassed when it don't work out. We try to deal only with the Scripture, the Word of God. And there's, if we have to speculate on something, we try to tell people 
this is speculation. And of course, there's good speculation, bad speculation, and there's my speculation. But at least we call it speculation. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. If they would like to call me on any property question or talk to me about it, I'd be glad to converse with them. As long as they understand that I'm not putting myself up as an expert that has all the answers. But it has been a 30-year study in the local church. And this is my fourth effort to put it all together. Every 10 years, we talk, to, we talk prophecy to the local church at their request. So it didn't start just yesterday. I would like to say one other thing on the subject of prophecy. It is so vital and so important that people understand that the reason to, that it's in the Scripture is not to cause a terror on the church. Mm. The Bible says comfort one another with these words. Right. It, it, it's in there. It's a knowledgeable thing. It's not to cause the church to fear, but it's to comfort the church. And uh, we're comforted by the fact of the sequence that John establishes in the book of Revelation, that the worst terror that's ever coming on this planet comes immediately after the coming of the Lord. There's a false peace for a short period of time. Beyond that, it's nothing but one judgment after another. Now, I believe we can be, believe the book of Revelation because it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it, it's a valuable study, and I believe everyone needs to be knowledgeable to a point. But I don't believe you need to chase prophecy all over the country and forget the plan of salvation. Amen. That's great. You know, Brother Merrick, you started out as a district superintendent for 30 years you started out as a pretty young superintendent. Would, would you agree with that? How old were you when well, you first started? I was 30 years of age, and I believe I was the younger superintendent to ever serve. Okay. How, how did that work? I mean, how did you well, feel when that happened? Amazed, stunned. It was a God thing. It was nothing that I could have done. Actually, it wasn't that big of an issue when I got started because the district was small. S.G. Norris recommended us to the brethren, along with one other minister, when he stepped down from district superintendent. Now, I don't suppose there was more than five ordained preachers that were full-time in the district at that time. So when we started, the district was very small. And God seen fit to keep us in office for those 30 years. What do you think were some of the highlights of that tenure as superintendent? Well, although we never had the kind of revival we had hoped to see, where thousands came in, there was a steady growth in the district, steady growth in the number of churches. We reached a point where the district, when I was first superintendent, was not only Minnesota, but it was Ontario, northwestern Ontario, and also uh, north of us, the other province, Winnipeg, Manitoba. All of Manitoba, Northwestern Ontario, Minnesota. And then we were able to work with them until they were turned over to the home missions and have their own district today. But to see the district double in the number of churches and then, then to see them break away and those churches come back, that was probably the, be the best we've ever seen, is church growth. And the fact that we were able to hold the line against the world, the creeping encroachments of the world in the church, faithful brethren that were supporting the work of God. See the camp grow to the capacity. 
I think all those things were blessings. For the top here, we had so very little trouble in those years. Because there was wonderful men, good men. The few problems we had, God saw us through that. Could you talk just for a minute about some of your mentors? I know you, you talked about Brother S.G. Norris and the impact that he had in your life. What was that kind of relationship that you had with him uh, in the sense of training and teaching, and how did that impact you? Well, first of all, I married when I was young. Mm-hmm. When, after fighting the call of God for five years, I was married, had a wife, two children, one on the way. When God let me know it was either that or lose my soul. Well, it was only a matter of a few weeks that I was at ABI. My mother-in-law was the dorm mother there. But I had previously known both of them, brother and sister Norris, through youth camp teachers. And they, it was amazing. They're, they're, between my pastor, Paul Lehman, and brother and sister Norris, they put a real hunger in my heart for the Word of God. And I look back, and they, they were probably the two most influential people in my life. Sometimes we see people in ministry, and we think, oh, you know, they just... Uh, they just had a silver spoon in their mouth or, you know, somehow they just, they're different than I am. But I think kind of what I'm hearing is you say is if, you know, if you really love the Lord and if you're faithful and serve him and, and uh, he's going to make a way. Would you agree with that? Brother Tapia, I was a nothing, a nobody, just an average guy born into a family that broke apart. My dad was a hopeless alcoholic for over 40 years. I knew the struggles of all that. And I never got away from the fact that I deserved nothing. Hmm. It was all by the mercy and the grace of God. A man steps behind the pulpit desk and starts feeling like he belongs there. He's in trouble. Hmm. Sometimes we sing that song, we come before the throne where we belong. I can't sing that song. Hmm. I've never belonged before the throne. I'm glad he invited me there. He didn't invite me because I belong there. He brought me because of his mercy and grace. And if a man will never forget that everything he can accomplish in the work of God, it's God. It's not him, it's God. God has to have a cooperating person. I understand that. But I see pride and arrogancy that troubles me. I want to make sure that God be my helper. I stay away from that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm afraid that this delegation is a wonderful thing. But when a preacher delegates things so he can have playtime, there's a problem. He delegates so he can give more to the work and more to the kingdom of God. I see both. The majority of our preachers are given it everything they can, not everything they can give it. None of us give it everything. Yeah. But given it what they've got, and they're very sincere men. Yeah. And some of the greatest men among us have been from the commonest of beginnings. Well, I wonder, Brother Merrick, in closing, if, if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that that feels a call to ministry. And and uh, I wonder if you just pray for them that God will uh, give them a love for his word and, and strengthen them and, and really help them to become what he wants them to be. Oh, I think we can do that. Oh, God, our God, we look to you today. You're the author, the finisher of our faith, God. It's where it all begins and where it's all going to end is with you, Lord. We believe in the call that you have placed upon the lives of young people, older people alike. We believe that it's genuine, God, that it comes straight from your throne. We're asking that in our flesh we we can respond with the right understanding 
and the right decisions. That we can say yes and focus our life on you, on the things of God. Help every young person to feel the nudge or an urge toward the ministry. Help them, God, to pray themselves through until they know for a fact that it's not a vocation they're seeking, but it's a fulfillment of the call of God on their life. And Lord, with that will come the anointing. You'll never take a place, a man to a place or a woman to a place that you will not keep them and sustain them. You'll never put upon them more than they're able to bear. We're asking God that in the heart of every young person, there would be a deep hunger for your word, a deep contrition, God, for everything's done wrong. And God, somehow let us always remember it's by the grace of God that we are anything. We thank you, God, for your presence. Touch every young person, every heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Merrick, thank you for joining us today. And, and I wonder if there was a young person that wanted to get a hold of you. How could they get a hold of you? Maybe by email or what would well, you? Probably probably the best thing would be email. And it's very simple. It's J at AOL.com. Wonderful. And we'll have that on our website for our listeners. Okay. Uh, if they have a question for you or if they want to get a hold of you to, to maybe have them come or, or even to get some of your materials, I know it would really be a blessing. Them, well, so. if they have a question or anything we can help them with, of course, the first thing I would ask them is, do you have a pastor? Absolutely. Does your pastor know your calling? Absolutely. If, that is, if that's an affirmative, then I'll spend all the time necessary to help them in any way we can. But tell them they've got to be patient with me. I don't always get back the same day I get the email. Well, Brother Merrick, thank you for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you, and, and we wish you all the best in your ministry and what you're doing. I, I really appreciate it. Brother Tuffy, you're doing a good work. We can be a blessing. We're anxious now. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com, where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.